First Peter chapter 1 this morning. We're going to be talking about a subject that has become very lacking in most churches today. Uh, something that has been a burden of mine for a few years now, even, even before uh, we came to this church. And that's the subject of holiness. Holiness is something that is very lacking in churches today, very lacking in Christians today. Um, if the church as a whole would get back uh, focusing more on this topic of holiness in themselves, uh, the church itself can make a bigger impact in this world uh, than uh, the church is losing a lot of its influence um, in our modern day world. Uh, there's no more... Uh, great preachers of the past holding big revivals and you know people coming to know Christ in flood and droves and number after number that doesn't happen anymore uh, mainly because the church itself lacks this subject of holiness <clears throat> so let's look at what Peter has to say here to the church first Peter chapter 1 we're looking at verses 13 through 17 this morning the Bible says wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy verse 17 is where we'll stop and if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. We're talking about holiness this morning. An appeal for holiness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what we've already heard in song this morning. It's already touched my heart, blessed my heart. Thank you for those songs, the truths in them. Lord, we pray now. Holy Spirit, you would begin to move. The subject of holiness is, again, something that most churches are not even paying attention to anymore. And because of that, they've lost their influence. They no longer have an influence on this sin-sick world. I pray, Lord, right now that our church would get serious about this subject of holiness. Being separate from this world, but at the same time, being in this world. You've told us that, yes, you're in this world, but we are not to be of this world. Help us to have that mindset, Lord Jesus. Lord, again, we pray for the prayer requests that were mentioned, the ones that are sick, that are hurting. Lord, again, please move in those situations. Touch the ones that are sick. Bring healing. Comfort hearts. Lord, again, be with us this morning. Pray you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Please help us all to listen with open hearts. There's something here this morning you want to tell us. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for loving us first. And we'll pray all these things in your name. Amen. Church, this morning we're called to a life of holiness in the Lord. The Tyndall Commentary uh, used this phrase to describe holiness, just a two-word two phrase. It said it's a transformed conduct. Transformed, of course, means a change, something that's different than what it used to be. And that's what we are supposed to be as Christians this morning. We are supposed to be transformed 
and transformed in our conduct. You know, this is a subject that's often overlooked in our modern day society. Many Christians never realize the obligation to live their lives according to God's desire and will. Few today seek to strengthen their walk with the Lord, genuinely desiring to be conformed to His image. It's a difficult task, yes, we know it is. But it's one that requires crucifying the flesh and living in light of Christ's holiness. And this is an expectation for every believer. Notice I didn't say an option or suggestion. It's an obligation. It's an expectation for every believer. So I want to talk again this morning about the, an appeal for holiness. Number one, we see the conduct of the believer this morning. Here in verses 13 and 14, Peter discusses the conduct we're supposed to possess as Christians with our day-to-day lives. We see, first of all, our obligations. Look at verse 13 again. Peter said, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As we consider these obligations, we're immediately reminded of the gracious gracious salvation we have received in Christ Jesus. In light of such grace and provision, we're challenged. Peter challenges us here to live upright before the Lord. This isn't an exhaustive list of obligations, okay? It's not like other religions in this world. You should research some of these religions sometimes and see this list of obligations they've got to perform and do to even have the slightest chance of pleasing their quote-unquote God. Now again, they're not exhaustive. This isn't an exhaustive list, but these are essential to the holiness before God. Peter speaks of three things. First thing he talks about is our attitude. He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. He uses a, a common illustration here. I mean, I love the writers here. Paul, Peter, of course, Jesus himself. They used common illustrations, people, things that the people could relate to in that day. If you don't know what he's talking about when he says to gird up, well, in this day, in this society, men would wear these long garments, okay? Just most of the time it was a one-piece outfit that reached down to about ankle length, okay? And it wasn't a dress, okay? It was something that they wore. It was a, it was a cultural thing, okay? Now, if there was ever a time when they had to move quickly, even to run, they would do what Peter is explaining here. They would gird up their outfit. And all that entails was they would reach down, grab the back of their cloak or whatnot, pull it up and tie it off in a belt, basically forming a pair of pants, okay? That would allow them to run or to move quickly, whatever they were doing, working or whatever the situation was. And Peter uses that here as an illustration for the Christians. You know, often we allow our minds to become cluttered with cares and desires of the flesh, which impede our thinking and our attitude toward holiness. When in fact we need to gird up our minds, like these men would gird up their, their garments to be ready to, to take care of the task at hand. Failing to do so will always hinder our progress in living upright before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 tells us this. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. A.W. Tozer, and I'm going to be mentioning him a few times in the sermon today, uh, has a number of books on holiness, how we need to be holy to God. He said this, he said, We have learned to live with unholiness, excuse me, we have learned to live with unholiness and have come to look upon it as the natural and expected thing. You, and you might say, yeah, preacher, the world does look at it like that, don't, don't they? I'm not talking about the world right now, folks. I'm talking about us, the church. The church has lost their holiness. Why do you think churches look the way they do? You know, you walk into some churches, you can't tell the difference between it and some rock concert sometimes, okay? They got the flashing lights and the smoke machines and the bands up there got their amps cranked up and they got the overdrive going and the distortion and, you know, they're up there doing Amazing Grace. It sounds like ACDC or something like that, okay? There's no holiness there, okay? There's no transformed conduct there, okay? There's no difference there. I remember I graduated high school in 1994. Seems like a million years ago now, okay? Our theme for that year was different on purpose. Think about that for a second. Different on purpose. You know, we're called to be different on purpose. Did you know that? We are. We're not supposed to look like, talk like, act like this world. We're supposed to be different in everything we do. Our speech, our actions, our, how we carry ourselves. People ought to be able just to look at us and know, hey, there's something different about that person in a good way, okay? <clears throat> Peter also talks here about our actions. Again, look at the verse. He says to be sober. Be sober. Of course, this is a phrase that's often referred to in light of abstaining from alcohol or any intoxicating beverage. And, of course, it certainly has an application for that, but that's not the application we're looking at this morning. It means to be sober in mind and behavior. To be controlled in all things, not to be given over to indulgence, license, or extravagance. Just as strong drink, alcohol, alters our judgment and behavior, so does a heart not right with the Lord. We must always live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, seeking to please the Lord instead of indulging our own flesh. Peter also talks about our aspirations. Again, in the verse he says, And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Bear in mind who Peter's talking to here. He's talking to the early church, y'all. We forget a lot of times the, the, the struggle they went through, the persecution, physical persecution they endured, all because they claimed the name of Jesus. Although they, although they faced this great adversity and persecution, you know what? Their hope was not limited to this world. Did you know that? Our hope's not limited to, the, to this world this morning, y'all. We don't hope in this world for our, our happiness. We're, we have that blessed hope, the Bible says. The hope of that home in heaven one day. Peter encourages them and he encourages us to maintain a spiritual focus in the midst of the physical adversity they faced. The Lord had begun a great work in them 
And he would see, the, see it through to completion. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he said, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We also see our obedience this morning. Verse 14, look at it again. It says, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance... We're reminded of the great change that happened in our lives at salvation. We were bought with a price. So you know what that means? That means we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We are not our own. That's why we don't live the worldly carnal life anymore. Jesus owns us, folks. He paid with his own blood for our redemption. As believers, we are now called to live in obedience to God. Not the former lusts of the old man of sin. Peter offers an interesting thought here. He said, according to the former lusts in your ignorance. You know, while we lived in sin, we were condemned by sin and accountable for that sin. But we sinned in ignorance to the truth of God. Our eyes hadn't been opened spiritually to the truths of the gospel. After salvation, however, we can no longer claim ignorance. We've been delivered from the darkness into light. We are without excuse in regard to sin. And we are expected to live in obedience to God. Romans 6.4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Again, there needs to be a transformation there. A transformed conduct. Number two, we see the conformity of the believer. Verses 15 through 17. Peter now addresses the conformity to the image of Christ. We see first of all the example. Look at verse 15. The beginning of it. It says, But as he which hath called you is holy. We're reminded here of the holiness of God. If you really think about that too much, that ought to humble your, humble your heart. The holiness of God. Every believer ought to be aware of God's holiness, but I think we've lost our awe and wonder of His holiness. You know? Over a period of time, it just becomes routine. You know? Well, let's go to church and sit in the pew and they might, who knows, they might sing a song I like today and you know, then the preacher will get up and do his thing. And man, is it, is it time for lunch already? We're going to be late to the buffet. Come on, let's get it going. You know, we're all like that. Come on now. We have lost the sense of awe and wonder of our salvation. The sense and awe of God's presence when we come into his house to worship him. You know, churches become nothing but a social gathering for some people. You know? You get to talk to some people you ain't seen all week. You know, you can talk about the ball game, the, the news, what's happening on TV, the latest TV show you saw or movie or, you know, whatever. You know? Instead of coming in, you know, and I'm not being, you know, we come in all pious and like, you know, monks and start chanting and all this, you know, stuff. But we need to have a sense of awe and respect for God and His holiness. We must notice that this isn't limited to Sunday mornings 
or while attending church activities, we're expected to be holy in all manner of conversation. You mean, preacher, when I'm at Walmart and I got waiting in that line, they got 15 people in line and there's only two checkouts open. Yeah. There's two open and one of them just went on break. You know? Yeah. You're supposed to be holy while you're waiting there in line. You know that? You know, I've said this before. I don't think we've quite grasped the concept sometimes, but you know people watch us. They watch us. I mentioned in Sunday school, the, I think it was last week, I think, and I think they were an acquaintance of you, of yours, Rachel, somehow. I can't remember exactly. But they said, uh, and I, don't, I didn't know this person from Adam. They said, uh, we started talking, and they said, oh, you pastor a church in Mount Olive, don't you? I said, yeah. And who are you? You know, that type of thing. People are watching us. They know where you go to church. They know you're a Christian. They are watching you. Are you holy in all manner of conversation? You know, the word literally has the idea of our entire conduct and manner of life. In essence, every thought, action, and deed must be done in light of the holiness of God. That's hard to do. Preacher, you just don't know what that person, they just get under my skin. and Or a preacher, like, that person just cut me off in traffic and, you know, just... You know, and just I bless them and God, you know, Jesus' name and, you know, that type of thing. Huh? Well, I'll let you decide. We're supposed to be holy in all manner of conversation. You know, God's standard of holiness and expectation for his people has been consistent throughout the life of humanity. It's never changed. It's never altered. He's, you know, he's never said, well, you've reached this level, but I'm going to raise the bar even higher now. No, the bar's always been set. It's never changed. Peter, here, Peter offers the charge for us to be holy in every area of life. Even, and he even quotes the command for holiness God gave the children of Israel in Leviticus chapter 11. When he says, be ye holy for I am holy. Even though modern society cares nothing for the ways of God and they reject His holiness, we remain obligated to live upright before Him. In fact, the need's greater today than at any time in our nation's history. Any time. It's just, I can't watch the news anymore. I don't know about y'all. You know, that's constant bombardment of, of death and murder and then... Yeah, kidnappings. I just found that guy who kidnapped his, his student out in California in the middle of nowhere. You know, he just, someone just happened to see him and knew where his little hideout was. You know, if they hadn't have seen him, they still wouldn't have found this guy. You know? And of course, all the other immoral things that are going on in our world. That's called an alterna alternative lifestyle. <clears throat> You know, those around us need to experience and interact with believers who live upright for the Lord. Most, Christ, most people don't come in contact with Christians like that. I mentioned again this, I mentioned this in Sunday school. They did, a, a, they did a survey a couple years ago, three, four, five years ago, of waiters and waitresses in just different restaurants. They said when, they asked them the question, when is your least favorite time to work 
When is your least favorite time, you know, to wait tables? This is what they said. Sunday afternoon when the church crowd comes in. They said those are some of the most rude and hateful people. No wonder people don't want to have nothing to do with church, with Christians, with Jesus. Because we're not showing His holiness in our lives, in our speech, and the way we act with people. Well, Brother Josh, they got, they blessed God, they left onions on my hamburger, and it wasn't supposed to be that way. And I told the waitress, you need to do your job right. This wasn't supposed to have onions on it, you know. And then we say, oh, don't forget to leave a track when we leave. Don't leave one with my church's name on it if you do, okay? I'm telling you right now. Again, we're supposed to be holy in all manner of conversation. Even if they get your order wrong at McDonald's, okay? Holy in all manner of conversation. You know, there's going to be people we come in contact with this Saturday that's never come in contact with a, a, I was going to say true Christian, but a Christian that exemplifies God's holiness. They've probably come in contact with some crazy people. People who aren't living, claim to be Christians, but Monday through Friday, they're part of, you know, they're with the party crowd, boozing it up. Friday nights, Saturday nights sometimes. That's, that's a Christian? They might say, I thought you were supposed to be different. From what I've heard, I don't know everything, but from what I've heard, I thought Christians were supposed to be different. But here you are, you know, throwing one back with me, partying here at the bar. Well, Jesus drank wine. He made one. No, he didn't. Okay? I won't say that sermon for later, okay? Again, those around us need to experience and interact with believers who live upright for the Lord. We've got to be, we're, we will never be an effective witness for the Lord if our lives are no different than anyone else's. We're, again, we're supposed to be different on purpose. Much damage, much damage has been done to the cause of Christ by those who profess to have a relationship with Him. But their actions reveal something entirely different. Our church, may we live upright for the Lord in the middle of a sinful and perverse generation. Tozer said this also. He said, Holiness, as taught in the Scriptures, is not based upon knowledge upon our part. Rather, it is based upon the resurrected Christ indwelling us and changing us into His likeness. So it's not based upon our, our standards, what we think it might be right. It's based upon God's Word, what Jesus said, what He's done. We see also the exercise. Again, verse 17, Peter said, And if you call on the Father, who with... With, with without, excuse me, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Finally, Peter speaks here of the exercise of our faith and hope which leads to conformity in Christ. He talks about, first of all, the worship. Again, in the beginning of verse 17, he said, And if ye call on the Father, 
The exercise here of calling on the Father involves an attitude of reverence and adoration. Our prayers before the Lord should always be considered an act of worship. You know, I'm convinced we can't pray if worship is absent from our prayer. Worship is always essential when we approach the throne of grace. You know, as we sense His holiness, goodness, and grace, we will be compelled to submit ourselves unto Him, seeking to live upright before Him. Peter also talked about the wisdom here. He speaks of great wisdom, the great wisdom God possesses, having the ability to rightly judge without prejudice according to man's work. Our lives are not hidden before the Lord. We, feel like, we like to think that sometimes, don't we? Well, I'll get away with this one. God will never notice this one. His eyes are, every, his eyes are everywhere. <coughs> he sees and knows the very intents of our hearts. He knows every detail of our lives. Such wisdom, wisdom and knowledge should serve to motivate us just to be open and honest before the Lord. Seeking in a way that pleases Him. Oh, I challenge you. Be open with Him. Be honest with Him. I, I beg you to. He wants to bless us in this life and use us for His glory. And the only way that's possible is for us to seek holiness before Him as much as we possibly can. And then Peter also talks about the wonder. You know, as we exercise worship in light of God's infinite wisdom, our hearts will be filled with wonder. Has that ever happened to you? You just really focus in on God in a, in a devotion or a Bible reading time and, you know, He reminds you what He's done for you, what He's blessed you with. Of course, your salvation if you really channel in and focus on that, it will give you a sense of wonder. How in the world could God, Creator God, love somebody like me? It doesn't make any sense. But, but it's wonderful. It will fill you with wonder. Peter admonishes us to, to ever keep the holy nature of God before us. And I can assure you that fear of the Lord is going to transform our lives. It will. Now, this doesn't indicate we're to be afraid to enter His presence or attempt anything for Him, but that we love and adore Him so much that He is the desire of our hearts. We have a longing to live for Him and honor Him in all we do. <clears throat> Tozer also said this, The true Christian ideal is not to be happy, but to be holy. The whole purpose of God in redemption is to make us holy and restore us to the image of God. To accomplish this, He disengages us from earthly ambitions and draws us away from the cheap and unworthy prizes that worldly men set their hearts upon. <clears throat> You know, we've received much in Christ. 
We've received so much. We can't even begin to comprehend all that we have in Him or the glory that awaits us in heaven. But there's still great work to do. And we need to be in a position spiritually to accomplish that work. There's room for needed improvement in my life, I know. And my walk with the Lord. What about you? If you say, brother, I, th I think I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm better than most Christians I know, and yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. You just, you, that's, that's your problem right there, pride. Okay? Is, that, is anybody ever going to reach that bar God the Father has set? No, of course not. But we strive to reach it. <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but I, I kind of like to watch the Olympics every once in a while. Um, think about this. You know, you see the athletes come in and your larger countries like America and Russia and whatnot have a, a huge conglomerate of athletes that arrive. And then you see this one little nation you might have never heard, got one athlete that comes in in some obscure sport that they never show. You know, it's not like track and field or something. But he's the, he or she is there. They're, they're excited to be there. They're going to give all. And a lot of times their nations will promise them a, you know, some third world country might promise them a new car or a house or something if they win a medal or something. And there's no chance of that happening. No chance. They've been written off completely. But you know what? They're still there. And when their event comes, they give all they've got. They might come in last, but you know what? They're still going to finish that race, that event. They might even know, hey, I know I'm, I got no chance of winning a medal at all. But I'm still going to do the race. I'm still going to go for it. I'm still going to do what I'm here to do to represent my country the best I can. Again, is your life pleasing to God this morning? Are you living in light of His holiness? I hope so. I pray so. If not, I pray you'll come this morning. Get things right with God. Start living holy for Him in all manner of conversation. Let's stand for prayer, please. Lord Jesus, the challenge has been given. It's been given to me this past week studying for the message. And now it's been given to our congregation. You've told us we are to be holy in everything, in all manner of conversation. There has to be a transformed conduct there. Lord, I know it's hard to do. But you've given us a command to do that. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion to live holy. It's a command. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's someone here this morning that hasn't been living like they should as far as striving for holiness in their life, they would come this morning. Come, get things right with you. Again, Lord, you've told us we are to be holy in all manner of conversation. Everything we do, every 
word that comes out of our mouth, every action, every deed. So I pray people will get things right this morning, Lord. You might be here this morning. You're lacking in this area of holiness before God. I challenge you, I beg you, I pray that you'll come. Come this morning, get things right with God as we wait.